0: please turn to uh, Judges chapter 6 and put a marker at Matthew 19. So I've already got my Bible there. I've got my marker at Matthew 19. Put a marker at Matthew 19. Open your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. The way to find Judges, start at the beginning. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. So the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy are the five first. You don't care about all that, do you? Joshua, it's page 175. Okay. All right, we're going to continue our series called Frequency, Tune In, Hear God. We're talking about how to hear God. We uh, took the first few weeks and talked about why we should develop a relationship of hearing God. Last week, we talked about actually how to hear God, to value His voice. Let me say this we have two more weeks in this series. But last week's message is the pivotal message in this series. Because if you don't value His voice, hearing God, you won't set aside time to hear God. And if you don't set aside time to hear God, even the things we talk about this week and for the next few weeks, I really don't believe you'll come to the level of hearing God that God wants you to without a daily or at least um, several times a week time of hearing God. Now, I don't want to embarrass you if you didn't get around to it this week, if you haven't heard the Lord yet on this, or maybe you weren't here last week, but for those of you who were here and were able to this week, I gave you a homework assignment last week, and that was to make an appointment, to set a time and a place to meet with God. How many of you were able to do that this week? You were able to set a time and a place. Okay, good. All right. Now, show up. Okay, you have an appointment, so show up for that appointment. All right? All right. Let me read you a few scriptures before we get to Judges chapter 6, all right? I've been saying a lot in this series, the number one question people have asked me about this, or the number one question people have asked me about this. Okay, here's the number one question people ask me about hearing God. How do I know if it's really God? Pastor, how do I know it's God and not just me making up something in my mind? In other words, in some ways they're saying, is it okay to ask God to confirm His Word. Well, the title of the message this week is Call for Confirmation. Call for Confirmation. And I want to make a statement to you that's uh, uh, a pretty amazing statement, but I really believe I can back it up by Scripture. God always confirms His Word. God always confirms his word. Now again, before we get to Judges 6, let me read a few scriptures. Mark 16, verse 20 says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. And we're going to talk about some signs or how he confirms his word, how we know it's God. Uh, In the Old Testament, there was a principle It was a part of the law, yet it's affirmed by the New Testament, even Jesus himself. And the principle is, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Jesus confirms this when he talks about going to an offended brother. Mark 8, Matthew 18, verse 16, he says, But if he will not hear, then take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Paul quotes the scripture several times, just one quote for you, 2 Corinthians thirteen one. this will be the third time I'm coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. He's actually referring to the epistle that he just wrote. We call it 2 Corinthians. We have 1 and 2 Corinthians, but actually, 1 Corinthians was the second letter he wrote to Corinth, and 2 Corinthians was the third letter that he wrote. Some people say, well, where's the first letter? Apparently, Paul didn't think he did that well, and so he uh, burned it or something. So we don't have that letter, but that's what he's referring to. Now, Judges 6 is the story about Gideon, and when we talk about Gideon, everyone seems to know one part about Gideon, and it's the fleece. Gideon set out a fleece. Remember Gideon's fleece. There are people even that don't know the Bible that talk about Gideon's fleece. Gideon set the fleece out to confirm that he was hearing the word of the Lord, asking for a confirmation. Confirmation. But there are several times that Gideon actually asked for confirmation before the fleece. And let me just show you a couple, all right? Uh, verse 17, Judges 6, verse 17. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he, that's capital H, just says God, it's referring to actually the person of Jesus, said, I will wait until you come back. And what happened is Gideon is threshing wheat and the angel of the Lord comes and sits under a tree and starts talking to him. When the Old Testament says the angel of the Lord, it's referring to Jesus. So Jesus comes, sits under the tree and begins talking to him. And then he says, wait, 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 wait. Show me a sign that it's really you. Show me a sign I'm hearing your voice. Now, I want you to think about this. Even in the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, with Jesus sitting under a tree, they had to work through their doubts and their fears. So he says, show me a sign. Now, what's amazing to me is he says, while I prepare a meal, he had to go and kill the goat. He didn't go through a drive-thru, okay, to get the meal. He had to go kill the goat, cook it, make a fire, cook it, and it was it was a several hour process. So here's what it just it just blew me away when I thought about this. The creator of the universe waits while a human tries to figure out whether it's really God talking to him or not. And of course, he's sitting there thinking, "I, I know it's me. I mean, it's me. But I know how I made humans. And so here's why I want you to know: God will wait." For you to figure out that he's talking to you. That is such a great truth to me. Is that God's okay to wait on you. To figure out that you're really hearing God about the decision or the matter that you're praying about. So he asked for a sign. Remember he asked for a sign. So let's see if he gets a sign. All right. Verse 19. So Gideon went and prepared a young goat. and unleavened bread from an ephah of Flour. The meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth, or pour the broth over it, some versions say. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand. Now watch, he was asking for a sign. And touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. I'd say he got a sign. Wouldn't you? He just took the stick in his hand, touched it, and it just burned up just like that. Then he tells him to do some things. He still keeps asking God to confirm the word of the Lord. And this is where the fleece comes in. Look at verse 36. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, or as I think I've heard you say to me. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. But it was completely dry on the ground all the way around. Okay, you've already seen the fire and the rock trick, right? So this should do it. All right, verse 39. You think Gideon's got it now. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. Isn't this amazing? Now, here's what this tells me. God's okay if you ask for a confirmation. He's okay with that. It it didn't bother him at all. And then he tells them to call together the men of Israel. 32,000 of them come. The Midianites have surrounded them. And uh, 32,000 show up, and it, it, this is, it, the story just keeps going. You can read it in chapter 7 now. And, and God says, you know what, There, there are too many, uh, aren't, there's too many uh, men here. Because if you go out now, you'll think that you did it. You won't give me the glory for it. So he said, I want you to make an announcement and say, everyone who is fearful or afraid can go home. Now there's thirty-two thousand of them there. Gideon says, "Everyone who is fearful or afraid, go home." Twenty-two thousand of them left. I can just see those guys. Everyone who is fearful or afraid, go home. I'm pretty afraid, don't you? Okay. Thanks, appreciate it. Y'all, hey, y'all do well. Now y'all, y'all, we'll be praying for you. Our prayers are with you. So now there's ten thousand. You know what God says, don't you? It's way too many. Still too many. So he says, go down to the river and tell everybody to drink. And he says, the men who lap water like a dog with their tongue, you tell them to stand over here. So the men who drank water like this. Okay. He said, you tell them, you know what Gideon's thinking, don't you? This is great. We're going to get rid of the crazies. (laughs) So there's 300 that lap water like a dog. And now there's 9,700 over here. And God says, send the 9,700 home. So Gideon says, "Um, could you give me a sign? Could you give me a sign that the 300 are going to win? So God says, okay, disguise yourself. Go down to the Midianite camp. Take your servant with you because I know you're a chicken. And uh, go on down there. And just listen, See, just, 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 I prepared something for you. So he goes down and he, this Midianite says, last night I had a dream. A loaf of bread rolled down the hill and hit my tent. It knocked my tent over, I'd hit the next tent, hit the next, and all the tents were knocked over. And this guy says to him, that's the sword of Gideon. I'm telling you, you we're in trouble. Now they don't know anything about the dog lappers. See, <laughs> they think it's still 32,000. And it put faith in his heart. Here's what I'm telling you. It's okay. When you believe you're hearing something from God, it's okay to say, God, would you confirm it? Uh, Jean Darnall is a, a wonderful woman of God, a very, very well-known missionary. Uh, she's 87 years old. She, the, actually, the night that I received my honorary doctorate, she also received an honorary doctorate. We sat beside each other on the platform. So she is quoted in many books about missionaries. She's just stood for faith. She's had hundreds of miracles in her life. But she said something years ago that became somewhat of a standard, and many theologians now would would agree with this. And, And I'm going to springboard off what she said. She said, when I believe the Holy Spirit speaks something to my heart, I ask him for three confirmations. Remember in the mouth of two or three witnesses. I ask him to confirm it by his word by people and by circumstances, to give me a scripture on it, for someone else to say something to me about it, and for the circumstances to line up so that I have peace. Okay, those are the three witnesses I'm going to give you in this message. But I I thought of, you know how I like all my points to begin with the same letter? You know, I just like that. But I kept thinking of several ways I could say it. So I actually put them in questions, but I'm going to give you the alliteration in case you want it. All right. So if you want to do it, here are the three ways. And, and I'm going to put them up on the screen so you can write them down if you want. All right. His word, his wisdom, and his ways. Ask God to confirm it to you by his word, his wisdom, which is through godly people, godly counsel, and his ways, which are faith, love, peace, joy, gentleness, goodness, means the fruit of the spirit. Okay. His ways. Here's another one. If you don't like W's, I got P's for you. All right. His principles, his people, and his peace. His principles are found in the word of God, his people, godly counsel, and his peace. And here's one more for you. His character, his counsel, and his calm. His character is found in the Bible. His counsel, we are, we are to seek counsel, Proverbs tells us that, and his calm would be his peace or the circumstances around or the circumstances lining up. Do I have peace about the situation? So let's talk about those three. But I put them in questions because I really think they're just very simple questions. Here are three questions you can ask yourself if you believe you've heard a word from God, all right? Number one, does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with the Bible? Now, turn to Matthew chapter 19. In other words, would the Bible agree with what you think God's telling you to do? Another way to say it is God's voice will never disagree with God's word. God's voice will never contradict God's word, never. Matthew 19, verse three, the Pharisees came to him testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Now the word just is italicized there. That means it's not in the original text, but the translators added it. In other words, they said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? any reason. And he answered and said to them, now watch what he said. Have you not read that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? He said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Divorce is not according to my father's character. That doesn't line up with love. That doesn't line up with kindness. That doesn't line up with forgiveness. That doesn't line up with denying yourself. That, that's, that's not what it's all about. Okay, I'm saying, does it line up with the Bible when you believe God's telling you to do something? Listen to this. Hey, this is a perfect example. They come up to Jesus and they said, hey, is it okay to, if we don't like our wives, if we're tired of them and we wanna get a new model? That's really the spirit behind what they were saying. Is it all right to divorce them? And Jesus said, why don't you read the Bible about that? That was his answer. Have you not read? Here's what he said, why don't you read the Bible? You want a word from God? Why don't you read the Bible? They said, well, but you know, there's a part in there that says Moses said we could do it. He said, "Mm mm-hmm. You want to know why? Because you're sinners. That's what he said, because you have hard hearts. Now, listen, when I talk about this, I know that about 50% of our population has experienced divorce. Please hear me. I don't see you as a second class citizen. I don't want you to ever feel condemning when I talk about this, but I want you to understand God said, I hate divorce. Listen very carefully. He didn't say he hates divorced people. He didn't say that. He said he hates divorce. It's the exact same thing if he'd have said this, I hate car wrecks. It's the same thing because car wrecks hurt people. The reason he hates divorce is because divorce hurts people and he loves people and he loves people that have made mistakes too. So please don't ever feel condemned. But I also need to let you know, he said, you know why you could divorce? Because of hardness of heart. In every divorce, there's at least one person with a hard heart. There's at least one that won't die to self and love and serve the other one and lay his or her life down for the other one. But it's very important to understand this because Jesus said, "Mm -hmm, Moses did this because of the hardness of your heart. Do you know what they were doing? Men were taking another wife and treating this wife actually like a slave, like making her mop the floor and treating her like a slave, but would not release her so that she could at least have a normal life. And Moses made an appeal to God and said, God, these men are abusing these women physically Uh, sexually and verbally. And and then the Lord said, tell them if they're going to do that, if they're not going to honor her as a queen in their house, then give her a certificate of divorce. Let her go free. So that's where this came from. See, they said, hey, can we divorce our wives? And Jesus said, why don't you read the Bible? Why don't you read the Bible? They said, yeah, but our church doesn't see it that way. He said, well, I don't care how your church sees it. That's not the way it started. That's what I want you to understand. There are people who look for a scripture to justify their actions. And it doesn't line up with the character and the nature of God. Here's the character of God. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Never. So don't come and give me one scripture and say, yeah, I got a scripture on it. I want to know, does the Bible not just one scripture. Does the Bible agree with it? You say, well, but is it one scripture enough? Listen, when Satan tempted Jesus, do you, know, do you remember what he did? Quoted one scripture to him. Quoted one scripture. Said, you know what the Bible says. You know what Jesus said? You don't know the Bible. You want to talk to someone who knows the Bible? You want to get in a spitting contest with someone who knows the Bible? I know the Bible. It is written, it is written, it is written. Here's what he said. What you're saying right now does not line up with the whole Bible. You're just taking one scripture out trying to prove something. So does it line up with the Bible? That's number one. Here's number two. Does godly counsel agree? If you believe God has spoken something to you, submit it to counsel. Does godly counsel agree? Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, this question, I really like this question. Does godly counsel agree? How many times uh, have you heard someone say something like this? And as a pastor, I've heard this many times. I say, now, have you sought godly counsel on this? And I say, yeah, I've run this by several people. But the problem is, uh, they're telling me different things. Okay, listen, that's a clue that you're not getting godly counsel. Because God never contradicts himself. Never. Never. You may be getting good counsel, but not God counsel. Here's what other people do they'll come and they'll say, You know, I want, I want to do this. What do you think? You say, oh, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't think that's God. They say, Oh, well, thank you. Then they go to someone else. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? No, I don't think that's God. Mm, okay. Okay. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Well, I think that's good. That's good counsel. <laughs> I agree with that counsel. See, here's the point. Seeking godly counsel doesn't mean you've already made up your mind. You say, I've heard this from God, and I'm, open, I'm heaven, giving it to you with an open hand. And I want to know what you feel. I really want you to pray about it and seek God. By the way, we're talking about calling for confirmation. Now, listen to me very carefully. This doesn't mean you go to people and say, uh, I have a decision to make. Which one should I make? Listen, because what you're doing is saying, hey, would you hear God for me? Would you tell me what God's will is for my life? This is what counsel is counsel is confirmation is, hey, I've been praying about something. I've been spending time with God. I've been making my appointment, and I believe the Holy Spirit is leading me this way. Will you pray about this with me and tell me what you think God is saying? See, you're asking for confirmation, but you can't ask for confirmation if you haven't heard anything. You know, following me? This isn't asking for other people to hear God for you. And that's what a lot of people do. And they think that's asking for counsel. They want you to tell them what God's will is for for their lives. But counsel is, I've been praying about it. I've been spending time with God. I've been reading my Bible. Will you now pray about it with me and tell me what you feel? So that's number two. Here's number three. Do I have peace? Do I have peace? It's that simple. Do I have peace? It always takes faith to follow God. Listen, it always takes faith to follow God, but it never takes fear. Never. There's never fear associated with following God. Fear's from the enemy. Faith. But it will take faith. What I mean by that is every person in the Bible, when you read Hebrews 11, by faith, by faith, by faith. Even Gideon that we read earlier is mentioned in Hebrews 11. By faith. It took faith for Gideon to do what he did. But just because it takes faith doesn't mean that you don't have peace. If God is leading, he'll give peace. This is one of the greatest confirmations of God's voice. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. This word rule in the Greek uh, literally literally means umpire. That's the literal meaning of the word umpire. In other words, when you're praying about something, let God's peace say safe. This is safe. This is, this is okay. Or let God's peace say, uh-uh. Out, out. Let me read you another scripture. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, or let me give you the word for this understanding from the Greek, reasoning. All your logistical reasoning, this peace will pass all of that. That means it it may take faith for you to do it. Will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This word guard refers to a, a military battalion, That protects from hostile invasion. That's that's what it means. A a military battalion, a battalion that will protect from hostile invasion. Do you understand there are hostiles trying to invade your mind and heart? (laughs) They're trying to bring fear and worry and confusion on every decision you make. And do you know what protects you and your heart and your mind from a hostile invasion? The peace of God. That's what the Bible says. That's what we just read. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. So you need to have peace. And um, let me say something here. If you lose your peace, don't let the enemy put intimidation on you and cause you to be timid to not say that. Here's what happens. Uh, We'll be going away, and sometimes people around us are actually kind of manipulating us because they want us involved in this thing. And, and we'll be going kind of down the road. We just, the more we go, we think, oh, I just don't feel, I just don't feel good about this. You ever, you ever had this? I just don't feel good. I just don't feel good. And we're afraid to say what we feel because of the reaction we might get. And so we're, we're like, I'm like yeah, I just don't feel good. But, you know, if, if I say it, then, then he'll get hurt. Or if I say it, you know, he'll get mad at me. And I, I just, so, I, so we just kind of keep going along. And then, all, then we get down the road and we do it. And here's what we always think. Oh, I knew I didn't feel good about this. I knew I should have stopped. Don't be afraid to say to someone, I don't have peace about this. I don't have peace. Because the peace of God has to rule in our hearts. I um. Uh, probably about um, 20 years ago, I uh, went to Yugoslavia during the Civil War time. We actually were about 30 minutes away from where, where the war was fighting. We could hear bombs. And when we went to get in the country, one of the guys had this Red Cross badge. And so we had this checkpoint about two miles from the border, and we had to drive in. You couldn't fly in. We had to drive in, and this, this guy was there, and he said, oh, Red Cross. We said, yeah, you know, and so they said, oh, you go up here. So we went up this place, and they just whisked us right through. It was like that. You know, hey, Red Cross, you know, go right in, you know. And, of course, we were praying because we didn't have a visa. We weren't even supposed to get in, but we were just going to minister to the churches and the people there. So we felt like, oh, that's the Lord. You know, we, he just, we just got right in because this one guy in the car got this Red Cross badge that he found. And anyway, so uh, <clears throat> we just felt real good about it. So we get in there, and we're driving to a church to minister, and we come to this checkpoint. And the, the guard stops us, and he comes to the driver, and he says in Slavic, I don't know what he's saying, but basically he says, papers. Let me see your papers. So he does. He pulls his, you know, now all the, this guy and the two guys in the back, they're, they're citizens. So he pulls his paper out. Then the guard goes to the guy behind the driver instead of coming to me next. And so he goes to him and he says, papers. Well, at the same time, this pretty girl comes driving up on a bicycle and starts talking to the other guard. Well, that distracts our guard. See, God will use anything. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> so, this guard is, you can tell, he's, he doesn't want to do this. He wants, okay, y'all, come on, give me your paper. All right, let's just go. He, he wants to move us on, and he wants to go over and talk to the pretty girl, you know. And so, he goes then to the guy behind me. Then he says to me, papers. Well, I don't even understand what he says. But, you know, he, he wants to see my papers. And uh, so, anyway, the driver says, he's from Dallas. Like that. In, in all, all I, I don't recognize that he's from in his language, but I, I recognize the word Dallas. You know, he's from Dallas. Now, he could have said Texas. And since you're in another country, you would think he would say USA or America or United States. But he says he's from Dallas. And this guard says, oh, Dallas Cowboys, like that, you know. <laughs> I said, yes, Dallas Cowboys, you know, like that. Which, by the way, I would like to take this opportunity to rebuke, to rebuke the church for not praying for the Cowboys during the first two weeks of our season this year. It is clear that we were not praying at Gateway Church, and we have several players here, are members here, and we should be praying for the members of our church. Okay, so anyway. Um, <clears throat> okay, so, and by the way, the third week of the season, I called a 40-day fast, and we won. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. All right, so, um, three o'clock tomorrow. Okay, so... Um, so he says, oh, Dallas Cowboys. yes, Dallas Cowboys. He says, oh, go on, go on, go on, you know, like that. So we drive home. And, and then these guys said, uh, they said, oh, man. I said, well, what, what are you so relieved about? I mean, I kind of thought it was funny, you know. And they said, well, because we didn't register you. Because you came in on this Red Cross deal. We, we didn't register you. You don't have any papers. They said, you're in the country illegally. <laughs> I said, I am. They said, yes, you are. They said, and we had a pastor... Last year, they came in, and we didn't register him, and uh, they caught him. I said, what do you mean they caught him? They said they took him to prison, and he was in prison six months. So this uh, ministered to me, and, um, <laughs> and so, so that night, I talked to Debbie on the phone. I'd already been gone like two weeks. I had another week, and I was tired. I was exhausted, and uh, she said one mm, of the kids was sick and I just wanted to go home. And I, I got kind of overwhelmed. And all of us have had, I got overwhelmed with fear that I could get arrested. I got overwhelmed with worry about the kids being halfway around the world and I can't do anything about it. And she was going to take him to the doctor and didn't know what was wrong. I couldn't do anything. I just got overwhelmed, you know? And so I'm sleeping, I'm, I'm lying on a cot in, in the pastor's living room. That's what I was sleeping on. It, it'd be called a missionary cot. It was not a, a, the Ramada or something. You know, it was just a cot and I couldn't sleep. And so I got up and I walked outside and I said, Lord, I don't want to be here. I want to go home. And you know, I'm just, you know, uh, and by the way, this was a Friday night and they said, we're going to register you, but we can't do it till Monday. And I had to minister in several places Saturday and Sunday and go through these checkpoints again. And so, and I just, Lord, I just pulled my heart out to God and I said, God, you're going to have to speak. You're going to, have to speak because I, I can't handle this. And I looked up. I remember I looked up like this. I said, God, you're going to have to speak. And I looked up, and I saw the Big Dipper. And I saw the North Star. And I saw the same stars in Yugoslavia that I see in my backyard. And the Lord said to me, I hold these stars in place. And I'm holding your family. And I'm holding you. And the peace of God flooded over me. And I went in and laid down on that missionary's God and went to sleep. I'm telling you, God wants to speak to you. And anytime he speaks, his word will confirm it, his counsel will confirm it, and his peace will confirm it. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? I think God is speaking to our church That he wants to speak to us personally. But we're going to have to get in a place to hear him. And then it's okay. I want you to know this. It's okay to call for a confirmation. It's okay to ask God to confirm his word. And in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. Every one of us go through difficulties. Every one of us feel overwhelmed. Just like I did on that mission field. And every one of us need prayer. And at the end of all of our services, we pray for each other. So we want to pray for you. If you're going through a difficulty right now, if you need to come back to God or give your life to God, we want to pray for you. If you've gotten a bad report from a doctor or there's something with your family that your family's going through something, or you feel far from God, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. If you're at the Southlake campus, North Richland Hills, Frisco, Harkins Theater, we want to pray for you. So in just a moment, we're going to stand. When we stand, we're going to have leaders here at the front at all of our campuses. All of our campuses, we'll have leaders at the front. And you just, will be standing, so you just slip out of the aisle where you are, Slip and just the row and just come down just come to the front to one of the leaders and just say I need prayer And let us pray for you. Listen, you don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come for prayer This could be your first time and and you don't you don't uh Um need to be embarrassed Because we do this every week. We all need prayer. There'll be other people coming Please, 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 please let us pray for you. Holy Spirit I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that needs any prayer